Hey, welcome to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. I'm Rob Chartrand, the lead pastor of the church. We're a church that's for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and are passionate about helping people find their way back to God. Hey, if you're new, I'll have a bit to say at the end of the podcast, but in the meantime, let's listen to this Sunday's message. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for having me this morning. It's always good to be at Crosspoint Church. And I wanted to start by just expressing my gratitude um, for your generosity to our Mosaic project. When uh, Rob initially had said that you guys were going to uh, do a small campaign to help us raise some money for the renovation we're doing there, um, I wasn't sure what I was expecting, but I certainly wasn't expecting what happened. Uh, your church is incredible. So thank you so much. Um, we are continuing to work on getting the Mosaic Center open. Uh, we hope we're hoping for September 1. It looks like that'll probably be delayed till more like October 1. Um, but as long as it's before winter, we're okay. And um, that building, um, that kitchen will be used to support the families that are in that area that are just kind of living right at the poverty line or a little bit below that. Uh, we hope to help with um, kids going to school, um, making sure that they have lunch. Um, we hope to uh, provide um, little things like even uh, how to grocery shop on a budget. Uh, how to meal prep, um, homework clubs, all those kinds of things that uh, families that are living right on the edge need. So again, thank you so much for what you've done. Uh, we've raised uh, just over $200,000 now, either pledged or in the bank. And so, you know, you're looking at around 10% of that, which is uh, just an amazing um, thing that you guys are able to accomplish. So thanks again for that. Um, I was asked to uh, speak uh, this morning on any psalm that I wanted, and I chose Psalm 40, and there's a reason for it. I'll read you the verses, and then I'll get into the reasons why I've picked um, Psalm 40. Um, and I'm not going to read you the whole thing. Uh, I'm just going to read you, actually, the first three verses. Um, I waited patiently, Lord, for you to hear my prayer. You listened, and you pulled me up from a lonely pit, full of mud and mire. You let me stand on a rock and you set my feet firm and you gave me a new song, a song of praise to you. Many will see this and they will honor and trust you, the Lord God. I am um, a Christian and therefore I am a fan of you too. Now, for a certain genre or generation of people, that is a, just a very accurate statement. If you're, let's say, in your mid-40s to your mid to late 50s, if you are a Christian, you are a fan of U2. Those two things go together. Um, when I was first introduced to U2, I would have been about 15 years old. I think the Joshua Tree had just come out. I was sitting um, at a junior high track and field event, not doing track and field, but instead hanging out with Tara because that was just good sense. And Tara said to me, do you want to listen to this new band that I just discovered? And she put in a cassette tape into what we then called a ghetto blaster or a boom box. And we, instead of, you know, doing long jump, which I wasn't good at anyways, her and I listened to side one and side two of the Joshua tree. At that point, I then went backwards and I discovered this band that uh, was accepted by everybody, but seemingly had these Christian roots. And I couldn't quite put my finger on the content of the Christian roots, despite being raised in a church, until I heard Psalm 40 and the song 40, uh, which was on the U2 album called October, and then later uh, on the live album, um, Under a Blood Red Sky. And so at that moment, I discovered U2, but 
More importantly, I actually discovered for the first time Psalm 40. Because it was the lyrics of 40 by U2 that I recognized were completely transcribed from Psalm 41 to 3. And that verse then had an impact in my life that resonated now 30 plus years later. That it is the scripture verse I go back to whenever I think of my circumstances and asking myself, where is God in the midst of all of this? It is Psalm 40 verses 1 to 3 that I cling to. And one of the things that I have discovered about this verse is that when I cling and when I understand who God is, I begin to recognize that he is always there for me, no matter the circumstances I find myself. See, in verse 1, it is quite clear that God always responds, albeit in his time. What does it mean to completely rely on God? We are a society today that relies on everything but God. One of the things that COVID has taught us, it is a reminder in this ancient sense of reliance on God. They understand this so well in developing countries, but in our Western hemisphere, we struggle with this. And even in COVID, which should be a time of complete reliance on God, the first thing that we turn to as society wasn't God, but let's face it, it was our government. We began to look to our government for security. We don't truly understand this in Western society until we bottom out. Anne Lamont says this, I've heard people say that God is the gift of the desperation. And there's a lot to be said for having really reached a bottom where you've run out of any more good ideas or plans for somebody else's behavior, or how to save and fix and rescue, or just get out of the huge mess, possibly of your own creation. God is the God of the desperation. Yet so few of us get to that desperate point enough that we completely rely on God. I see this a lot in the inner city, in our inner city work. We get Christians coming to the inner city all the time because they want to preach to the homeless. They want to make a difference in the lives of the homeless. They're like, if the homeless would only have faith, they wouldn't be in this circumstance. These are not our favorite volunteers. And they're not our favorite volunteers for lots of reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is that what they fail to understand is that our most vulnerable citizens will blow your mind with their faith. Imagine living each day unsure of the source of your food, your sleep, unsure if where you're going that night, your stuff will be protected, unsure if physically that you will be okay. Imagine not living or living each day, not knowing exactly what the next would look like. Now, we all do that to a degree. We wake up in the morning and we don't know what that day will look like. But unless we're sideswipe, we usually have a pretty good understanding. For many of our people, they have no understanding of what that day will look like. The only thing they have is their faith that God will help them survive. The faith that our most vulnerable citizens have is well beyond our own. God responds in his time when we move to resilience on him. This is the psalmist's record of a profound spiritual truth. God answers prayers of deliverance after a long wait of relying on him. In the midst of your struggles, 
Are you truly relying on God? The second thing the psalmist brings out is, what sticky situation are you in? Um, loneliness is one of the side products of our problems. When we are in deep, we often feel alone. It's not that necessarily that we are alone, but the perception is that we are. One of the things that's interesting in our society today is that we grieve a lot, and we even use the term grief a lot, and we've stopped using the term mourn. Um, I think it's important that we actually bring mourning back. Grief is actually, by definition, a very private thing. It's something you do by yourself. Mourning is done in community. It's done with others. Um, we need to mourn more as we struggle. Uh, we need to bring others into our struggle, and we need to be willing, as a group of people not struggling, to come around those who are grieving so that they move from this isolated sense of aloneness in their grief to this communal sense of mourning the struggle that they're going through. We need to mourn more. We need to be the people that come around those that are grieving and say, you are not alone in your grief, but we will be with you. We will help you mourn. Greg Boyle says, my job isn't to fix or to save, it's to accompany. It's to see people. It's to listen to them. If anyone is alone, we in a as a church have failed. My youngest daughter was at um, McDonald's in St. Albert. And so I, we live in St. Albert and, um, you know, there's, there's this perception around St. Albert that there are no social issues. I'm, I'm here to tell you there, they are. Uh, the difference is, is that when they pop up, we tend to send those people to Edmonton. And it's one of the things that I'm actively working on to change. And so as part of that, I've been chairing the mayor's task force in St. Albert to end homelessness. So my daughter comes home one day and she says, uh, Dad, can I talk to you? I'm like, of course you can. And she said, I, I just have a real struggle with something that happened today. So what happened? So well, I was at the McDonald's and there was this young girl um, begging. And, she, and I said, so what'd you do? She said, well, first of all, I gave her 20 bucks. And I said, well, that was very generous of you. Um, good, good for you. And I said, and then what? She said, well, I talked to her for a bit and I didn't know what to tell her. And I said, why not? And she said, well, because she had no place to sleep tonight, that night. And I said, that's very true. And she said, Dad, she's like my age. My daughter was 17. She may have been a year or two older, may have been a two, year or two younger. She says, she's my age. She said, where can I tell her in St. Albert to go? And I said to my daughter, there's nowhere for her to go in St. Albert. She's alone. And one of the things that grieves me is that as someone who lives in that city, that that would be my answer to my daughter. But the second thing that sometimes it makes me grieve is that if there is a church, if there is a church, everyone should have a place to go. Because that's our role and that's our responsibility within the kingdom of God. That is following the message of Jesus. That nobody should ever be alone. That everyone should always have a place to go. Sometimes we are stuck in such mud and mire that we basically feel like we're going to be there forever. My visual on this is twofold. The first one is the never-ending story and the horse that's in the mud. Now, if you have seen the never-ending story, um, this is probably the moment you remember the most because it is extremely sad. Um, it may even be disturbing. In some ways, I'm always surprised it's kind of a kid's movie because of how sad this moment is. The adult version of this, which is a little bit more hopeful, although it's still 
you know, gets kind of ugly at the end there, is the mission when Robert De Niro is climbing the cliff. And he's climbing it um, in this mud and this muck, and he's trying to get to the top. Those are two visual images I have of somebody who is stuck in mud, who's in a slimy place, in a sticky situation, that they're in a place where they feel like they can't get out, that they can't move forward, that they feel like maybe they're drowning. And so my question for you is, do you feel like you're in some mud right now? Do you feel like you can't get out? Do you feel like the horse in the never-ending story? Do you feel like De Niro trying to climb the cliff? I've been there too. I've been there on occasion. And I can say this in the most literal way. Thank God that I'm not anymore. Because it is God who God gets us out of these bad spots. It is God who comes to us when we're in trouble. It is God that wants to help us when we decide to fully rely on him. When has God put you in a better spot? The, um, the scripture verse in here, uh, you know, it, the way it's written can be read a couple of different ways. Um, one of them is that you, you let me stand or you put me in a better spot. Um, uh, give me a rock. You've given me a firm foundation. A better translation is actually, he established my secure footsteps. Seldom does God pick us up and drop us into an improved reality. Instead, he gives us the path out and he supports us as we try to move forward. One of the things that the mustard seed had to do this uh, past pandemic, I guess it's still current pandemic, but um, was back in March, we were asked to scale up from a 40-mat shelter to a 180-mat shelter. We moved from Trinity Lutheran Church on the south side and we moved to the Kinsman Center um, and uh, in Edmonton, in the heart of Edmonton, and were asked to uh, provide a bunch more mats there. And so this was a comment from somebody who had been homeless for a long period of time, and they were speaking to one of our staff members about what it was like uh, to come to the kinsman. And he said, from the moment I entered, I sense and feel the atmosphere and general attitude of the shelter. What I sense and feel is safe, respected, and welcome. The staff are friendly, compassionate, caring, down-to-earth, and genuinely kind. Utilization of a gym during these times was a great idea. All of the staff I've met have offered me insight, strategy, and most of all, longevity. Considering all that is expected upon arrival is a respectful nature and a natural adherence to the rules and boundaries, I'd say, where do I sign in? Before ever coming to this shelter, my overall goals were vague, undefined, and untitled. But now my goals are more focused and refined. Thanks in part to the support from the staff. Someone who is in a bad spot. But God has now made his path more clear through the help of others. In my darkest times, which, by the way, are very, very relative. I need to say that my darkest times are not nearly as dark as other people's, but they were dark to me at that moment. What is always evident in hindsight is the path God showed me and the who God brought into my life. For this gentleman at our shelter, it was our staff that God brought into his life. It was the pathway to the kinsman center that God revealed. But if you look at the most difficult times in your life, you will see a pattern. 
when you begin to rely on God, the path becomes clear. The support becomes obvious. If you are in the mud today, do you trust that God will once again make your path known? Will he bring into your life the relationships so that you can journey ahead and have the strength to? Will you learn to rely on those relationships? And if you're in a good spot, will you see those around you that need your help? And will you respond to them accordingly? Because once God puts you in a new place, something changes in your soul. The psalmist says, you gave me a new song, a song of praise to you. When God puts us in a better spot, we begin to sing a different song. He moves us from lament to praise. He moves us in this way that's so profound that we should actually want to tell somebody. And if God has put you in a better spot, who do you want to tell? Now, this is a sensitive thing these days. Even I get annoyed by the street preacher. I was driving here today, and um, it, like Yellowhead and 127th Street, there's a, there was a dude at the light there holding up a Bible, yelling at people at the red light. I'm thinking he's not very effective. Um, this is annoying. I always look at guys like that, and I'm like, you're making us normal people look really bad. Um, you know, stop it out. I get, I get knocks on my door still of people coming to me and they're like, you know, do you know Jesus? I'm like, actually, I'm a reverend and a pastor of the Christian Missionary Alliance. And they'll pause and they'll look deeply to me after this happened once, deep me deeply at the front door. But do you really know Jesus? <laughs> like, yes, yes, I'm familiar with him. He's a good guy. Please move on to somebody else. You know, and I'm like, what? people are still doing this. That's not what I'm talking about when I talk about do you need to tell? I'm talking about the people you're in relationship with. I mean, I recognize it's very, very sensitive nowadays to really be extroverted in our faith. But on the same hand, how will anyone know of the goodness of God if we don't tell someone what he's done for us? If he has gotten you out of this slimy pit, don't you need to tell somebody that he can get them out of theirs too? How will others find hope for their circumstances if we never share where hope is found? This is a story from uh, one of our staff that doesn't work at the Mustard Seed in Edmonton, but one of our other Mustard Seed locations. And I'm just going to read it to you verbatim. Um, we run an isolation unit in one of our centers, I should mention that. And what that basically means is anybody who is homeless that has symptoms of COVID we put them in an isolation unit until they uh, go through a testing process. So that's what isolation unit means in this. Uh, despite his staff attempts to make the isolation unit as comfortable as possible for clients and provide wraparound advocacy services, it is incredibly challenging for our clients to isolate for 14 days in a confined space before entering into a housing unit. We've had some miraculous and life-changing moments that have happened in isolation, but there's been one that impacted both client and staff in particular. A client entered into our isolation unit with required medical detox from meth. She was initially with us to isolate until swab results uh, returned, but as soon as that was determined as appropriate, we would get her into housing. However, she often suffered from suicidal ideation and was overwhelmed with the heaviness of life 
she had been experiencing before coming to isolation. She asked for prayer during her time in isolation, and then one night she opened her arms, and with tears streaming down her face, she accepted Christ into her heart. There was not a dry in that room. And then she said she wanted to go have a shower, and we suggested that as she has her shower, to think of Jesus washing off all of her shame, her guilt, all the darkness of her old self like a baptism. When she came out of the water, she was glowing. She just sat there in the water bawling and crying hard from her gut. Staff sat with her and prayed over her some more. And when she came out, she was wearing new clothes, both literally and figuratively. Crazy though, at that same time it was pouring rain, but when she came out of the water, it was then that the sun started to break through the storm. She was washed clean and made new. After about two weeks, she moved into a housing unit. After simply coming to isolate for two days, she instead became completely detoxed from meth, was safely housed, and found Christ. We need to tell. We need to tell. Who do you need to tell about the song that God has put in your mouth? The song of praise. Other than you too, I love these three verses in that it really tells the faith experience of life being difficult, of us crying out to God, of God in his own time responding to our circumstances with a path forward, with people to support you, and then it ends with our reaction to his arrival. That is the faith journey, and it's cyclical. We all go through it all the time. And the reality is, each of us is in one of those places right now. We're either in a place where life is difficult and we're crying out to God. We're in a place of looking for him to respond to our circumstances and seeking that path forward. Or we're one of the people that may be coming into somebody else's life to support them while they move ahead. And then we eventually hit that last place where we have another song of praise to sing of hope. So that everyone will understand what God has done for us. That is where we're at. And so today I would ask you, where are you at today? In that pattern, where are you at? If you're in that messy situation, are you turning to God in patience to rely? Will you find that new path? If you're in a great place, will you come to Christ and help those that he is asking you to help. And if God has gotten you out, who are you telling that he has done so? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I pray for the person that is stuck in the mud. I ask that you would get them to that place that Anne Lamont described so well of complete desperation complete abandonment and reliance on you. Make their way forward clear. Provide the people around them to help get them to that place. And then when they arrive at their new location, may they not hold back the hymn of praise that you are going to give them to sing. And for those of us that are well, may we look at those who are unwell and say, how can we love and how can we support? We are the church. And as such, everyone should always have a place to go. 
No one should grieve. Everyone should mourn. And so I pray, Father, that um, you would be specifically with the person who is struggling. And then as a community, that we would respond to that individual in love and grace. Thank you that you rescue us. Thank you that we're never stuck as long as we have you. Amen. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope it's helped you in your spiritual journey and it's helped you draw closer to God. Let me tell you a little bit about us. Crosspoint gathers as one church on Sundays in Northeast Edmonton. And you can find out our location and more about us by visiting our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. We also meet throughout the week throughout Edmonton in what we call home groups. These are smaller communities of learning, laughter, community, uh, transformation. We, we think that the journey of faith was never intended to be an independent exercise. It's, it's something that we do together. So please visit our website and find out how you can get connected to a home group near you. If you listen to our podcast regularly, why not make it shareable? You could like us on iTunes or share our podcast with other people. But more importantly, we hope you will get connected with other people and talk about what you've learned. Again, hey, thanks for listening. We pray you'll experience Christ's love in a very real and profound way this week.